houses. Let's first look at in the very beginning when Muslims were in Mecca. They lived 13 years in Mecca. When the Prophet received the first revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now pay attention here because it's very important to understand that. Muslims before the migration to Al Madinah, they lived 13 years in the city of Mecca with the Prophet. And the the Meccan policy, the Meccan policy is not even to defend yourself in the first place. Just tell me something if somebody is about to hit you. What is the natural response? At least you're going to at least to يعني, put your head up. Or you're going to fight them back. One of these two things. If somebody is about to hit you, one of two things will take place. This is the natural response. Whether you're going to put your hand up to defend yourself, or if you are capable of fighting that person, you're going to fight them. These two things were not even there during the Meccan time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Muslims not even to put your hands up to defend yourself. The only thing that you should do is what is just be patient. Did you see those who were told to put or hold their hands back? Just be patient. And even though some of the companions of the Prophet were so strong, but they were beaten up to death. And one of them was Abu Bakr Siddiq. He actually lost consciousness. Even though Abu Bakr at some point was capable of defending himself, but all of them submitted 100% to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not fight back. Do not even defend yourself. The only thing that you're allowed to do is just be patient. And this is what the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated clearly. Even in so many incidents that they asked the Prophet should we fight them? The Prophet said, no, I was not commanded to do so. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't command me to do that. Those people have been persecuted, being attacked, their, uh, their properties were usurped, their family members, some of their family members are killed. Actually, they were expelled completely. They, they were the citizens of that place. And they were expelled completely from, that, from their homeland. Later on, they went to Al-Madinah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them the permission to go to the city of Al-Madinah. Six months goes by in the city of Al-Madinah. And now, there is the first physical clash between those who have been expelled from their homelands and those who expelled them from that land. After six months when the companions of the Prophet left Mecca, six months later they're going to be the very first 
physical clash between the followers of the Prophet and the mushriks of Mecca. The, the mushriks of Mecca. So basically they are about to what? They are about to, to meet each other, to face one another in the battlefield. And then if you look at it, what does the general say to his soldiers before you meet your, your enemies? Does he tell them, okay, today I want to be to I want you to be very nice to them? Or before you find them or you kill them, uh, tell them hi, how are you doing? No. This is what, what usually before you meet the, the enemy, the general will tell you there is no room even for mercy. There is no room for compassion. Just take them away. Complete any tunnel will say this to his soldiers right before they meet the, the enemies in the battlefield. If you, if you watch some movies, you, you will come to know these things. This is not new. And some of the ayat, this conversation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the believers, with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, came down right before they meet each other right before they meet each other. Meaning these verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed are going to be implemented only in the battlefield. Not in any other place. Not, in, not outside this place. It's going to be implemented only in the battlefield. Nothing else. And if you look at the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you read them too pissed in the Quran, you think they are too tough. You think they are too harsh or merciless places. One of them is in Surah Al-Baqarah and the second is Surah Al-Tawbah. Surah Al-Tawbah, the entire Surah, Surah Al-Tawbah. Surah Al-Tawbah. The ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah, just I want inshallah ta'ala when you have time to go and study this ayat. From 190 to 194. Five ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah. From 190 to 194. When you study those ayat, the very first word that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay? So within five ayat, you will find that one time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, until the word hatta, one time, okay? Within the five ayat, we're not talking about five pages of the Quran or five verses in the Quran, we're talking about five short ayat. But just let's see. The, the conversation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the believers at that time. So you will find that one time once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the word hatta, meaning until. Meaning do not find them until they fight you. This is number one. Four times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the word if. Four times in five ayat. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala support if if they do this, then you do that. If they do this, then they do that. If four times, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same ayah two times he said, those who fight you, look subhanallah, two times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who fight you, fight those who fight you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, within the same place, he said, do not cross the links. This is number one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like those who cross the links. This is number two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if they spot, then who spot? This is number three. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is full of mercy and compassion. Be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who are mindful of Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is just one place in the Quran. It is considered, according to so many people, one of the harshest places in the Quran that deals with jihad. Five ayahs in the Quran, from 190 to 194, one time Allah said until. Four times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said if. Two times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said those who fight you. And then he says, do not cross the limits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like those who cross the limits. If they spot, then spot. If they are inclined to peace, then give them peace. Give them peace. That's why every single time, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about jihad in the Quran or fighting, just to keep going, keep going, 100% you will find the verse that talks about peace. Just to keep going, do not stop. Something later on will come about, will come about peace that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, if they want peace, then just do it. The Prophet وسلم, never ever spotted him. Just look at the Prophet he left the city of Mecca. And then he won the city of Al Madin. Left the city of Mecca complete to establish like an Islamic state. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wahum bada'ukum awalamah. They spotted you did not spot that. They spotted it. The very first time they came after you. You did not want that. They came after you. Whoever tells you that the purpose of jihad is to spread the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is 100% false. I'm so sorry to tell you that. Whoever tells you that the purpose of jihad to spread the deed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever tells you that, then you are those people who are believing that Islam was spread by the sword. Never ever was the purpose of jihad to spread the deed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know it sounds very powerful. And you say, Shaykh, what are you talking about? Show me an ayah in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Fight so that we spread the deen of Allah. Show it to me right now. Go read the Quran from cover to cover. If you find this place, bring it to me and we will negotiate this. The purpose of jihad, the respected brothers and sisters, is that 
is to bring an end to injustices. Is to bring an end to any form of injustice. Any form of injustice. And every single person is included. I never forget the day that Allah saw that in one of the one of our professors in Al-Azhar said, Islam came to make people's life good. Even those who reject to take the religion of Islam. Even those who reject to believe in the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Still Islam aims to give them safety and security. This is the purpose of jihad, is to bring an end to any form of injustices. So let's, the, the, when you look at that, the ayat in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again, whenever he talks, this is very important. Fight those who fight you. Fight those who fight you. Kick them from where they kick you. Not just simply go fight them. The ayat of Surah al this one place is in Surah uh, Al-Baqarah and Surah um, Al-Tawbah. Surah Al-Tawbah, as I said in the month of Ramadan, is the most complicated surah in the entire Quran. Once you understand Surah Al-Tawbah, you will find that Surah Al-Tawbah is full of mercy. Even though it doesn't have Bismillah rahman rahim it is full of mercy. Once you read in the very beginning, say, ah, Yani kill them whenever you find them, this and that, and them. But subhanAllah, you need to understand the circumstances in which the surah was revealed. And why, and where, and even when the Prophet people say, oh, Muhammad invaded Mecca. Okay, invaded Mecca, and they use the word image, invaded Mecca. Does anyone know when Prophet decided to to go to Mecca when? When the treaty of Hudaybiyah was violated. When the treaty of Hudaybiyah was violated and that treaty was between the Prophet and the people of Christ and when violated that treaty, this is the time of the Prophet decided to go to the city of Mecca. Not a single thought when he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam opened Mecca or conquered Mecca. But he said today, I will just tell you what the brothers of Yusuf, or what Yusuf said to his brother, just to go, there is no harm upon you. La tafrita alaykum So that the ayat of Surah Al-Tawbah is very specific. Because look at it this way. When Muslims were in the position of power, Right, when Muslims were in the position of power. Because Muslims have had like a state for most of their existence. For centuries. Unlike any other religion. And at that time we do have the power that the upper hand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, gave us the honor by leading the entire world. So when Muslims were in the position of power. When they have power over all over their subjects, whether they were Hindus under the ruling of Islam, Christians under the ruling of Islam, Jews under the ruling of Islam, all of them lived under Muslims and they thrived by the way. If the genuinely interpretation of the ayah, that the ayah of Surah Al-Tawbah, 
This is the, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then kill them wherever you find them. Is this interpretation what we call it the ministry of Islam? Then the time you'll be able to execute this, this ruling when Muslims were in the position of leadership. But they never did. They never ever did. It never happened. We can, how the Sahaba, how the companions of the Prophet understood this ayat. It's very how the Sahaba understood this ayat of the Quran. This is not a foreign policy or a universal policy that Muslims will take the ayat and apply them as it is. Otherwise, Umar and Abu Bakr and the Khulafa after them would have applied them in the same way. But that was never ever the case was never ever the case. So if you look now at the, 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 the goals of, of jihad, we said that the most important, the, the most important objective of fighting in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to bring an end to any type of injustice. And from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you will find that. Number one, protecting the, the freedom to believe in the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or even any other religion. Look what I'm saying, protecting the freedom to believe in the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or any other religion. For example, if a person decides to um, uh, enter into the fold of Islam, accept the religion of Islam. That person should not fear, should have no fear whatsoever to embrace the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to spread it. The minute that somebody is not capable of practicing his faith, any type of religion, then this is the point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that person must be defended. This is number one. The second thing is protecting the places of worship and the religious symbols. All places of worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَوْلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسَ بَعْضَهُمْ بِبَعْضٍ If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not check one set of people by means of another, then monasteries, synagogues, churches, and the sajid in which the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned much would surely have been pulled down. So one of the purposes of jihad is to protect all places of worship. All places of worship. From the purposes of jihad is overcoming corruption and injustice on earth. This is one of them. Exposing the hypocrites because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah will not leave you in the state in which you are in until you subhanahu wa ta'ala distinguishes between the believers, the good and the wicked. And then if you look at now defending against the enemy aggression. This takes so many forms. Number one,
for disbelievers to persecute and attack within their own homelands Muslims who live among them. For example, if Muslims are a minority in, in any country and the citizens of, 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 of that country persecute them and attack them and they do not allow them to practice their faith, then this is one of the purposes of struggling in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like for example, the example of Rohingya people and the people of Burma. This is one example. The second, the second thing, for disbelievers to leave their homeland and attack Muslims in their lands, then by definition, you must defend your honor, your dignity, your country, your land. And then for the enemy to oppress its all disbelieving citizens, can you imagine that? One of the purposes of jihad, any people, regardless of their religion, even non-Muslims, they are oppressed in their countries, at the hands of their own people. It becomes obligatory upon Muslims to defend them, to bring justice to those people, because all people have the right to justice. All of them with no exception. All people have the right to justice. SubhanAllah, if you look at this, these are the noble goals of fighting in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can just take from the book of Allah azza wa And then when you fight, there are so many ethics, there are so many guidelines, there are so many things that you, you should take into consideration. Those who do not fight you have nothing to do with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah does not forbid you at all. La Allah does not forbid you at all to be good, to be merciful with those who do not fight you on account of your religion. No drove you out of your homes, out of your home. Allah does not stop you from being good to those people. You deal with them, you interact with them, you have businesses with them, you visit them, you accept the gifts from them, you give them gifts. Those people are innocent people, civilian people, have nothing to do with them. We only fight those who fight you. So subhanAllah, when you decide to fight people, do not cause the entire country to suffer because of the handful of people as we see. No, the Islam says only those who fight you. Only those who fight you. And even by the way, Islam always encourages to meet them in a place outside the city. So you do not cause any harm or any mischief or any corruption whatsoever. This is the, very, the first part of, of today's talk, inshallah. There are much more, but just for the sake of time, I'm gonna stop here, but I hope that I clarify some of the most important things about that. As soon as I finish the second session, then we're gonna start, inshallah ta'ala, the new message. Sharia. What is the meaning of Sharia? Linguistically, what is the meaning of Sharia? The word itself. What is Sharia? The word itself. For God of the Islamic laws, the word Sharia is a path that leads to water. 
This is the meaning of Sharia. Shara, a path that leads to water. When you look at the the, the word in the Sharia, the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a divine legislation. It is a divine legislation. The, if, when, you, when you study the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find that the purpose of the Sharia is to lighten your burden. These laws are made to take off, to take a, 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 a load off of your shoulder. And the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is based upon mercy, is based upon justice. Anything that takes the Sharia away from that, then does not belong to the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does not belong to the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a component of it that is government-based. And there is a component of it that is individual-based. Important. So for example, for you living in a non-Muslim country, Sharia means, this is your part, Sharia means part of your being a good Muslim, a good citizen, part of your practicing and Maintaining your identity, just practicing your deen. This is your Sharia. And the, 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 the Sharia is the divine legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam in itself is called the Sharia. Islam in itself is called the Sharia. Quran, every single piece of it is the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single piece of the hadith of the Prophet is the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My prayer is part of the Sharia. My fasting is part of the Sharia. Okay, my hajj is part of the Sharia. But there is one part of the Sharia, this is what they call at the state level. So the Sharia includes Aqeedah, Fiqh, and Akhlaq. Aqeedah meaning your faith in Allah, the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the last day, and so on and so forth. And then fiqh, the business transaction, the, uh, how to pray, and this and that. And then akhlaq, behavior, how to behave with people, how to behave with neighbors, how to treat your peers. So aqeedah, sharia, we have three things. We have akhlaq, we have aqeedah, and we have fiqh. And the word Sharia does not refer to law in the state sense alone. At the state level, there is called hudud. You know what is the percentage of hudud in the Sharia of Allah? Does anyone know? What is the percentage of the hudud? The pure code of Islam. Less than five percent. Less than five percent. The people code of Islam, they call it the hudud, like for example, cutting the hands. But I'm gonna surprise you today, subhanAllah. Cutting the hands, a line for a line. If you killed, you should be killed. If you kill, you should be killed. Okay? Stoning, for example, 
lashing or whipping. This part of the Sharia is known as hudud. And hudud is what? The penal code of Islam. And this part of the Sharia has been presented to the world in a horrific fashion due to the agenda that we all know. And this part of the Sharia is a very, very, very small portion of the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very small. And let's look at it. I'll give you, I'm gonna give you three examples to appreciate the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now since the, the meaning of Sharia is being misused, so I'm not gonna talk about Sharia is, is for example the fiqh and akhlaq, I'm just gonna focus on the penal code of Islam, which is the 5% or less than the 5% of the entire religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. So now here please pay attention and listen attentively. I'll give you three examples. There is not a single incident from the life of the Prophet onwards of a person or a man being stoned because they got caught committing adultery. Not a single incident. In the life of the Prophet until this very day. And the only incident that took place at the time of the Prophet Ma'iz and the, the lady from Al-Ghamidiyah, from the tribe of Khundan, uh, he came to the Prophet He was not caught in the first place. Because the conditions are basically very impossible. Very impossible, kind of impossible. And I'm gonna put 100 lines under it. It is impossible to, to, to fulfill all the conditions and the requirements. That's why there is not a single incident in the entire life of the Prophet until actually this very day. And it only happened once at the time of the Prophet and that lady and the man came to the Prophet and he admitted. When you look at that, the punishment of adultery in the Quran, Because Surah, surah Al-Nisa came down before Surah Al-Nur. And Surah Al-Nur came up with a set of new laws. But Surah Al-Nisa said, this is in the very beginning, subhanAllah. Those who come in, you know what does it mean? The Quran even did not explain. And you will be amazed when you look at the sayings of the Sahaba when they talk about Aduhuma. Aduhuma meaning cause them pain. Cause them pain. The word Adha cause them pain. Ibn Abbas said Aduhuma meaning Yalada. Yalada. 
that? Just rebuke that. How could you do that? This is the interpretation of Abdullah ibn Abbas. Cause them pain. Some of the Sahaba said, you lay them down and you hit them ten times at the bottom of their feet. And he said, you go, don't do it again. This is in the very beginning of the Sharia of Then later on, the ayat of Surah Al-Nisa came. The ayat of Surah Al-Nur came. About what? About the spoiler. Yes, indeed. It is part of the religion. You can deny this. But to prove it, it is very impossible. It is very impossible. This is one thing. Right? Let's go to number two because we're talking about this. When somebody said, oh, you guys talk about spoiling and this and that. I said, okay, come here. Let me tell you what does it mean. And you explain to them. The Prophet the Quran says, whoever kills must be killed. This is the, the, the hadith, and the Quran says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina aman kutiba alaykum al-qisasu Imagine somebody left, uh, lost someone, a family member, a brother or whatever. And you go to the family of the victim. And don't tell them this is Sharia Allah, don't tell them this. Tell them, imagine if there is an amendment in, a, in the constitution that says once guilt is proven, imagine if you have that, just tell them this. The judge will come to you and say, if you like, you can choose one of three options. I'll give you three options. You can choose one of them. This is the Sharia that SubhanAllah we're talking about. It's not the judge who decides. It is the family of the victim who decides what needs to be done. The Quran says, if you want, you can ask for death, death penalty. If you want. As we said, an eye for an eye. If you want, you can forgive completely. Forgive the person completely. And if you want, you can sue them. Mean what is sue them? Meaning you give, for example, the, the breadwinner and this and that. And then you ask basically for how to repair that damage. We basically we can say blood money. Let's put it blood money. Or if you want. Just let, let the judge decide. Let him decide in your case. I ask you, which one you gonna choose? They gave you three options. You wanna forgive, you wanna sue, or you want death penalty, or you know what? Let the judge decide. And then maybe after five years, you will see the killer out of jail in front of your eyes, and you might go crazy at that time. Any family on the face of this earth will pick, okay, I take one of these three options. Because all of them are good for you. You want money? You have the right to ask for it. You want that person to be killed because he killed one of your family members intentionally? You have that. You want to forgive them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You have that. You choose. 
Or you know what? Let me decide on your behalf. No. I want to choose. Let me choose. This is the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the ayah is in Surah Al-Baqarah. Once that the family members forgive that person, and then the, the judge will forgive, the case will be dismissed, then society itself should forgive that person forever. So Islam gives a chance for people to be good. Now, for example, imagine a criminal who was in jail for some years. That person will be labeled as a criminal forever. What they call the criminal background. If he goes to apply for a job, we can take him. Their entire life is ruined. In Islam, subhanAllah is completely different. If you have been forgiven, that's it. You start a new life. It is not in your record anymore. That's it. This is the second law in the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm giving you the hardest three. Stoning, killing. What is the, 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 the third hardest one? Cutting the hand, right? As people say, cutting the hand, you guys, if somebody steals something. Fine. Let's talk about these conditions. They're not in the Quran. Those conditions were put by the Sahab. Condition number one, in order for you to apply this rule. The item stolen from a secure place having a value of more than 10 dirhams. This is number one. Listen carefully. The item is stolen from a secure place, a secure place, having a value of more than 10 dollars. This is number one. The thief is an adult. This is number two. He's of sound mind, not insane. This is number three. Okay? And then he committed the crime out of his own free will. This is number four. He was neither under a uh, uh, under forced dress, nor uh, what they call it um, uh, motivated by hunger. This is number five. Nor was he drunk. This is number six. SubhanAllah, these are conditions. The crime must have two witnesses with a prime nature who do not disagree nor retract their testimony. This is number seven. A month has not been passed since the crime was committed. Look how many conditions are there in order for you to apply this habit. Did you understand that? Look how many conditions are there. And let me tell you something, I'm going to close with this. All of them, all of these to do, have to do with the rights of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of them 
None of them has to do with the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like for example, in Islam, there is no hadith for the one who does not pray. If you look at pray, what I can do for you. This is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't force you to pray. My job just to advise you, to remind you. You pray up to you, when the pray you matter is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when the cry, when the cry causes so much harm in the society, then this is what Islam comes to say. Wait. Let's put an end to this. Because if even a little a chance of being caught, then the law has to be yani, harsh enough to discourage the criminal of committing any crime because of the severity of punishment. If I know, subhanAllah, just look at it, look at it this way. If I know that I'm going to steal, and if I get caught, the worst case scenario, I'm going to be in jail. I'm going to be in jail for six months or one year. In jail, mashallah, I'm going to have health insurance. I have gym. I have food. The best one. People come out of jail worse than ever before. This is one person. Yeah, the worst case scenario, okay. The other person said, oh, if I get caught, I might lose one of my hands. Literally, I might lose one of my hands. Think about this one. That person will think 100 times. 100 times before taking that action or even thinking about it. So this hadoot, those 5% of the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save your life and my life. If you look at them, and I give you three examples that are being misused from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Quran, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you look at them, if somebody asks you that, what is Sharia law? Because usually the, the, what people understand Sharia law, they do not know that everything you do in life is part of your Sharia law. Your prayer is part of that. If someone said, we want to ban the Sharia law, you want to say you want to bend the Sharia that means you do not want to me pray, you do not want me to fast, you do not want to perform a hajj. And who said in the first place that Muslims want to apply the Sharia law in this country? I don't know where this even came from. By definition, by Islam, you have been commanded to adhere to the laws of the land in which you live. Yani if you, by definition, you can't apply the Sharia law in a non Muslim country in the first place. Doesn't make sense. To the contrary, you have been commanded to act and to adhere to the laws of the land as long as that these laws do not stop you from practicing your deen or any part or any aspect of any aspect of your religion. So these are some of the most common misconceptions about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So remember that Sharia is to purify you. Sharia is to lighten your burden, and that Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is based on mercy and justice. That's it. And of course, we all know the maqasid of the Sharia, the objectives of the Sharia is, is to protect your, your, your religion, your wealth, your, your lineage, your mind, and so on. 
How many one of you know? How many one of you knows that stoning is mentioned in the Bible? Do you know that stoning is in the Bible? It is in the Bible. A stone that they say stone, it is in the Bible. It is in the Torah too. And let me tell you something else. When we talk about apostasy in Islam, it's another thing. People say, the Prophet said, Whoever leaves his religion must be killed. Okay, this is a hadith. People use this hadith. And he said, okay, once you come into the fold of Islam, man, that's it. That person, for example, yeah, let's say if that person came to the point that I don't want to practice Islam anymore, or oh, even I don't want to practice any religion, and I have decided to leave the fold of Islam altogether. People say, oh, that person must be killed because he left the religion. But before I answer this, by the way, this rule, the rule of Al-Riddah, the rule of Islam is not the religion who brought this. Actually, it is in the Torah, in the Torah. Until this very day, whoever leaves his religion must be killed. But this is not the case in the religion of Allah Subhanahu Because very important, in order to understand any hadith, any and very important. Sometimes you will find the tafsir of this ayah in the Quran itself, but just you need to look it up. Yeah, Allah mentions something here in general, and then you will mention it specifically somewhere else. The tafsir of this place is in this place. In order for you to understand any hadith or any statement from the Prophet you need to bring every single hadith that talk, talks about the rules of what? The rules of Al-Riddah. Apart every single hadith. Put them together and see, okay, something has been mentioned here. But there is a condition in this hadith. But there is something in this hadith. Let me put all of them together. You will come to the answer. Whoever leaves his religion must be killed. This is not true and has nothing to do with the truth. Whoever lives his religion and then joins the enemy against you, then this is a different story. So that person does not only leave this religion, but he left the religion and decided to fight you. Then this is a different story. But if a person said, I'm gonna leave it in a peaceful way. That person will tell him, Good luck, may Allah guide you. We have nothing to do with you. Subhanallah how so strange and so painful that these things, these ayat of the Quran, so much injustices done to them. And until this very day, even the scholars of Islam did not really stand, yeah, did not stand up and clarify to the people in the proper way. I do not know how it comes subhanAllah, we reach to the point that we do not find them clear as they should be. As they should be. You might say, where you got this information? This information are so clear. Once you study the Quran, and then you study the tafsir, and how the Sahaba acted upon those ayat, it's very important, very important to, act, to understand how the Prophet acted upon those ayat, and how the Sahaba acted 
Muhammad said after the prophet. Then you will come to know, yes, this is what it means. This is not from my part or anything. Or I'm not bringing anything new. This is just based on the tafsir of the ayat and different places from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You take this place, put it with this place, this ayah, put it with this ayah, you will come to an end that the Islam is the most peaceful religion. The objective of the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not to make the life of any person miserable. Anyone, those who follow Islam, those who choose not to follow Islam, Islam came to bring peace to people. Even those who decide not to accept Islam, they still can enjoy under the rule of Islam. And at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the final, is the final. I hope that inshaAllah ta'ala, I gave you some beneficial information and then we will open now, inshaAllah ta'ala, the door to Q&A session. It's now 9.35, Salat al-Isha is 9.50, so we're gonna delay a little bit that far. So let's inshaAllah get the first question from Brother Ahmed. I think we'll automate the questions, one from the last one. Yes. Zakhullah here, Abdul Hadi, for this important topic. It was very good. It's a comment before the question. And first, all I'd like to say, which is Abdul said also, there is nothing in our religion to be ashamed of for general at all. It's number one. Number two, about the Sharia and the Hudud. It came to protect, not to just for punishment. And if you compare it to other religions, you will see without the condition of budgets and this she also mentioned. But the other thing that I'd like to catch at the end to please to shed some light about it for the head. The area that said Kaltinukimon, kill them wherever you find them. This is almost used to embarrass Muslim. And this area came to for for forty that after Mecca, after opening Mecca, refused the victory of the, and the forgiveness of the Sulaqan kingdom and they decided to be still against the state of Islam that just established in Mecca. Uh, I actually don't remember all four of them, I remember I came up with Kim Muslim that. So if you please can shed some light about this, uh, the circumstances of this ayah, where this ayah came for. Uh, the ayah that the Prophet said, Another place in the Quran that says, وَقْتُلُوهُمْ حَيْثُ Kill them wherever you find them. Kill them wherever you find them. The one that we said is in Surah Al-Baqarah. We said, these ayat came down right before Baswat Badr. Before they entered into the battlefield, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed those ayat. So it's very, very specific, meaning you find them in the battlefield. This is one, one set of ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah. The first, the second place in the Quran, it's very similar, same. Kill them when you find them. Those ayat came down upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam during Fatih Mecca. And only, as he said, only for a specific group of people. And not, not only that, but when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered the Mecca, he gave them four months. He said, فَسِيحُ فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعَةَ عَشْرِ Go four months. 
Because those people, you need, you need to understand, those people not only, yeah, if you look at it, they, are, they persecuted them. They took their, their, their wealth, their properties, they killed their relatives. They went after them almost for years, for, for eight years in a row. And then the time came that the Prophet have the upper hand. Any person, anywhere, if you get the chance, if you look at it, now there's even no room for negotiation. You guys have done this and this to us, that's it, you're done today. The Prophet look at the mercy of Allah. He said, go see from the earth, the earth. I'll give you four months to think about to think about I'm not going to even do anything with you at this moment. I'll give you four months to go to think about After that, whether you come back, okay, and then accept Islam, especially you, or you just leave the city of Mecca. Leave it. There is no room for you here anymore whatsoever. There is no room for you here anymore. You cannot be here anymore. And this, this ayat came down, and one of them was, for example, um, uh, Safwan ibn Umayyah was one of them. Um, I forgot the other names, but this ayat, again, as we said, it's a very, very specific to Fatiha Mecca, and only for certain group of people, and the Prophet وسلم, gave them that option to go. And even if he said, if any one of them come, if he said, Oh Muhammad, for example, came to you seeking your refuge, the Prophet said, Give them refuge. Not only that, even put them in a safe and secure place. Put them in a safe and secure place for four months to think about. You feed them, you take care of them. Not only just let them go. If they ask you, Okay, we are a friend of you guys. Do something about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, if they ask you to give them refuge, give it to them and put them in a safe and secure place until they think about it. Where are you going to find this subhanahu? Where are you going to find this anyway? There is no subhanahu. And then subhanahu, they ended up accepting the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not out of fear, but actually they were from the most sincere Muslims after that. Okay. Any question here? Okay, then we can see. the scheme. Well, I think it's a beautiful lecture. I really enjoyed it a lot of information. It's clear. In your lecture, you mentioned about the uh, killing. Yes. When somebody kills somebody, the victim family can forgive. Yes. And then the judge can let them go and he can start his new life. Yes. I'm a little confused over here. Because it's, if you look today in society, in many countries, some of the people who are rich, oppressors, they kill the poor people, whether they are farmers working for them, they do injustice and they kill them. So if that means if you have money, you kill somebody and you can get away. Can you shed light on that? And my second question is, about the apostasy, you mentioned about the killing, and there are three things which I learned that uh, Allah said, Allah said, Allah said, that's crime against Allah. Yes. And that's the shirk, kufr, and apostasy. Right. Those are. 
the narrative with today's world, and I see that uh, on the internet, and I read about that one, that some, lot of Muslims believe that these three crimes is punishable by death, and it is their right, they should implicate that law and kill those people. So I want to know whether that they are on the right side, or this is Allah's crime, if it is Allah's crime, then Allah on the day of judgment will judge those people and will punish them. So I'm a little confused if you check your mind or For the first question, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum wa bisasu fil qadda. If you look at the word fil qadda, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not making a distinction between Muslims or non-Muslims, this is number one. Between a poor or a rich man. Okay. If somebody, for example, kills, then there's going to be an attribution, kasas. And then, when it comes to life and the sanctity of life, there is no leniency in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you look at other matters of the Sharia, there is a room for leniency. But when it comes to life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so strict about it. So strict about it. And everybody is included. Even if the ayah includes the, the, the life of the mushrik or the kaf, is not cheap in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not cheap at all. This rule must be applied regardless of that person. And that's why Prophet Sikhi said the Sharia gives that victim, the family, three options. Option to forgive or to, to sue to get the blood money or to add, ask for the death penalty. If they want, this is what we're talking about if the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being applied. But if it's not, unfortunately, then, as you said, yes, there are so many oppressors, they commit so many crimes and they go away with it. And there's nothing we can go around, then we leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in general, we say, if the Sharia is applied, then the, the soul of the killer is in the hand of the family of the victim. Yes, mashallah, great. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, part of the ayah of Allah al He said, this is one time, first time. After that, فَمَنْ يَعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَمَنْ يَعْتَدَى بَعْدَ If the same very person, the killer, commits the crime again, فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Meaning, he must face the painful punishment. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. So basically the first time you're giving them a chance. You're giving them a chance, perhaps he might become a better person. But if that person repeats again the same thing, then Allah said, Whoever crossed the limits, or exceeded the limits after that, then he must face the most severe punishment. The most severe punishment. Okay, inshallah. What was the second part again?
touch upon these two important things because a lot of fun, but there are so many fabrications in the history of Islam that caused so many people to believe or to think that this religion was spread by the sword because of these fabrications. Inshallah, probably I might dedicate one photo regarding this religion. The same thing it will be included, inshallah, in the yeah. I think we'll take one last question. One more question. Yeah. Can you kindly remind me of where in the Quran that says there's no compulsion needs Where? Where and what surah? It's in Surah Al-Baqarah. And the second one is in Surah Al-Kahf. Yes, two places in the Quran. La ikraha fi din wa surah al-baqar and then wa kul al-haq wa rabbikum fa man sha'a fa yu'min wa man sha'a fa yakfur in surah al-kahf al-baqar and al-kahf Find the link.